Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is evangelist Justin Cooper coming today from somewhere along the Revival Trail. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very Word of God. I'm glad today that we have a Bible. And by the way, it would not be worth your time to tune in to hear me just speak from my own opinion, my personal preference, or my thoughts and ideas. But I'm glad we have a Word of God, which is a more sure word of prophecy. You ought to be concerned if you attend someplace that labels itself as a church that does not magnify and make much of the Bible. If you go someplace where the Bible is just uh, one of the things happening in the service and not the main thing, not the preachings, not the main, then you're in the wrong place. And I, I don't say that with any kind of apology, and I'm not bashful to tell you again. You ought to go find you a real church, someplace that preaches the Word of God. I thank God I've got a Bible, and I'm glad I've got a preacher that preaches the Bible, and I'm glad God allows me every once in a while to get to preach the Bible, and that's what we need. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We can hide its word in our heart that we might not sin against God. It's how we cleanse our ways. There's no book like the book, and this Bible is the book. I remember that old story about that uh, political leader from another generation who was dying and had a vast library, a library that would impress uh, pretty much anybody living today, and he said as he was dying to his son. Son, go fetch me the book. And his son said, Daddy, you got thousands of books in your library. I don't know what book you want. And he said, I said, the book. Get me the book. And the boy knew what it was. He ran to that library, grabbed out that King James Bible, and brought it back to his dying father where he could find comfort before he crossed over. It is the book. There's no doubt about it. Now, we've been studying in Genesis chapter number 7, and then yesterday, or the last time you might have heard me, Genesis chapter 8, and today we're going to be continuing in Genesis chapter 8. Now, if you've missed our previous Bible studies, all of those are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and many other podcast platforms. You can go find Striving for Revival. Just uh, Google that, type it in, search it. It'll come up, and then you can be a subscriber. It's a free thing, but that way you'll have access to all of these Bible studies. And what I like about that is if you miss us on the radio, you can always catch us via the podcast, and then you can listen and re-listen. It's sort of a help for you as you study along with me uh, in the Bible. And that's all this is, is just us studying our Bible together. I just read what it says and make some application, some comment, and try to make sure that we have the context of what we're reading. And uh, I pray it'll be a help to you. Now, Genesis chapter 8, and God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark. And God made a wind to pass over the earth and the waters assuage. The fountains also of the deep and the windows of heaven were stopped and the rain from heaven was restrained. And we talked about that word restrained last Bible study. How it's so important that you and I be a restrainer, one that holds evil or danger at bay, one who stands in the way of that which would cause harm and keeps it from those that we love. And the waters returned from off the earth continually. And after the end of the 150 days, the waters were abated. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, upon the mountains 
of air rap. I was on an airplane not long ago, and there's a documentary about them trying to discover and find that ark, and these men searched, and they searched, and they climbed, and they climbed, and they camped, and they camped, and they paid, and they paid, and they were out there uh, in the elements, and some of them were injured trying to climb up that mountain because they were thinking they would find Noah's ark. Now, maybe one day they'll find it, but listen, I don't need them to find it to, to prove to me that this is real, and you can go ahead and waste your time. It was interesting to see it, but uh, the Bible tells us what happened and where it's uh, rested, but uh, there's no guarantee that it's still there. God's not real big on idolatry, and you know what would happen if we actually found that thing? We'd worship it. Oh, sure we would. There's a fake one built up there in Kentucky, and folks go worship there. So uh, what would we do if we found the real one? Hallelujah. Verse number five, and the waters decreased continually until the 10th month in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, were the tops of the mountains seen. You better believe that was a good day. Whenever Noah could look out the window in the ark and see mountain peaks coming up. And by the way, those mountain peaks might have been mountains that didn't exist before the flood. We look at this world now, and it does not look like it looked prior. Because God wrapped this world in water. And you better believe those waters violently changed the complexion and the look of what we see. And now the earth sees and shows the uh, ramifications of that day of judgment. You think about it, I drove across the country, and when I was out there in the, uh, the west, in Arizona, other places, those mountains, you see them, and there's no vegetation there, uh, very arid, and you can just tell they've been eroded by heavy water in a place where they don't get water. In fact, they'll go up on those mountains and find fossilized sea life. Now, how did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. There was a flood. It's a shame, isn't it? I saw an article the other day how uh, scientists say they just received an 11 million old radio signal from outer space. Those guys are crippled too high for crutches. They are too uh, too invested in things that don't do not exist and that they'll never figure out because they're trying to run from truth. That's exactly what it is. They are wrapped up in theory because because they're scared to death of truth. They don't want to face the fact they're sinners. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care how much money they make. I don't care how uh, uh, brilliant the uh, the world at large would deem them to be. If they're lost, they're going to go to hell. They need to get saved. And I'll tell you why they're wrapped up in theory, because they are scared to death of truth. The Bible said in verse 6, And it came to pass at the end of 40 days. There's that number 40. 40 is important in your Bible. 40 is a number of judgment. And God uses that number over and over 40 days. By the way, you study it out, uh, 40 years. A lot of that comes into play with David and Solomon and other people. 40 years they rule. 40 years they serve. 40 years there's something to that. And the Bible said in 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made. And he sent forth a raven which went forth to and fro until the waters were dried up from off the earth. Also, he sent forth a dove from him to see if the waters were abated from off the face of the ground. But the dove found no rest for the sole of her foot. Now think about that. The raven stays. The dove is not comfortable. Now, you've heard preaching on this, no doubt, and it's a great illustration. In your Bible, the Holy Spirit is often pictured as a dove. A dove is very delicate. A dove is very sensitive. In fact, they say if you hold a dove even wrong, it can die. You have to be very careful, very uh, very uh, gentle. You cannot grieve or quench, squeeze that dove lest it die. Now you think about what's going on. Outside of that ark, floating on that water is a bunch of carcasses, dead flesh, stinking flesh, rotten flesh. That old black raven, 
He's excited. Why? Because he lives that way. He eats flesh. That's what he survives on. I mean, he's a bird uh, of prey and a bird of opportunity. He's a scavenger. He's like an old buzzard, an old vulture. He's just looking to get him some pieces of dead flesh, and he's happy. But the dove refuses to fall or land on old, rotten, stinking flesh. Now, there's a good application there. If you want the Holy Ghost of God to empower you, and if you want the hand of God to rest on you, if you want to experience the power of God in your life, then you have got to die, crucify, get out of the way of that old, rotten, stinking flesh. There are so many places today that advertise themselves as having the power of God that are so impure and so perverse and so doctrinally in error that there is no way, there is a snowball's chance in a hot place that there's any power of God there. It is a flesh show. It is a put-on production. It is all fake. It is entertainment. It is no more real than the next blockbuster that'll hit your movie screen from Hollywood. If you want the power of God, if you want the dove to come down and rest on that, that you're doing for God, then it cannot be flesh-driven, flesh-centered, or flesh-exalting. We have got to die. Too many folks want to live for God. Somebody ought to die for God. I don't mean physically, but I mean you ought to reckon yourself dead indeed to sin and alive unto Christ. You ought to say, Lord, here am I. God, take my life. I'm a sacrifice. I'm presenting myself. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, a living dead thing, dead to my own ambition, dead to my evil appetite, dead dead to my carnal thought, dead to my personal agenda, and alive to Christ. Boy, I want the dove to land on us. I want the dove to land on this church. I want the dove to land on our Sunday schools. I want the dove to land on our soul winning. I want the dove to land on my preaching. I want the dove to land on the altar call. I want the dove to sit on my family. I want the dove to hover over my house. I want the Holy Ghost of God to feel comfortable, to feel at home, to feel welcome, and to want to get on what I'm trying to do for God. Let me challenge you today. You cannot substitute that. You cannot duplicate that. And you and I cannot do without that. If we're going to be effective, we must have the dove, the Holy Ghost of God on everything that we do. Well, that's all the time we have for today. I sure do appreciate you tuning in. Make sure you join us next Bible study and do this. Until next time, pray with me for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.